Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 6, Episode 4, Chapter 99, The Witching Hours. As Bailey's Comet passes over Rivervale, Cheryl and Nana Rose revisit the tragic stories of the Blossom Women throughout the years. Meanwhile, the once-in-a-lifetime celestial event prompts Cheryl to summer a familiar face to Rivervale, Sabrina Spelman. <sighs> Talk about an overhyped episode. At first, I didn't hate this episode, like on the very first watch. Sure. I think because at least after after seeing a few, it was like, well, at least this one had like a cohesive idea. Mm-hmm. Then I watched it again. <laughs> I think the the worst part about this one is that, well, I can clearly see what you were going for here as opposed to some of these other episodes. And the problem is, number one, there's Cheryl Blossom. Yeah. Which is a huge, massive crimson elephant in the room. So I like the idea that this is a story that keeps repeating itself in the Blossom family. Yeah. Sure. Um, We've heard, you know, the whole Blossom family curse thing over and over again. But what this feels like is it's trying to erase Cheryl's wrongdoing because, oh, she's justified and she's not. And that's a disservice to any growth you've shown in the character because it's no longer genuine and now she's not cheryl she's nana roseanne blossom it's so it's just it's very convoluted and i don't like it well by the end of this episode you start going none of this makes any goddamn sense what you laid out a b and c and you got to an upside down f like what (laughs) again i like the concept of this is this is a repeating theme yeah. of blossom women that's totally fine by me but they should have been left at that and then the sabrina of it all is bullshit and it was way overhyped for truly no payoff there's no payoff to this thing at all and i mm-hmm. think what's really more frustrating is this one in particular mm-hmm. the other ones we were able to suss out a little bit of like oh, okay maybe it could mean this in a different universe and something like that this one just felt like What's the fucking point of any of this? Yeah, the repercussions of this in Riverdale, I don't think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to mean anything. Yeah. Well, and also something that doesn't make sense. If we're in Rivervale, why is Sabrina from Greendale? These are all great questions. Why wasn't she from Greenvale? That, you know, uh, that, yeah. So just, I'm having a hard time caring. (laughs) Because <laughs> I'm just annoyed. And, and just with the Cheryl of it all, it's just, I, I'm really sick of them trying to retcon her character because her character is so horrible. Um, and that's what just, this just feels like. You know, Madeline Petch is doing a fabulous job. I like when our characters get to do something a little bit different. You know, they all did a fabulous job, uh, particularly Cole Sprouse as Jack. Uh, that's a lane we haven't seen him in on this show. So it was particularly entertaining. I don't love it. I didn't find it entertaining. I didn't. I don't like his character, but you know, our our children have recently discovered the sweet life of Zach and Cody. They've been watching it a lot, so of course we see it, and so it's just kind of like, hmm, okay, interesting. Like it's just fun. It's a fun progression. It's real weird of this performer's talent, and then also to see that gear, which we've never seen before. Is that's what I find entertaining. His characters and jackass, but he played that very well. That's what makes it entertainment. <sighs> so we start with our jughead 
narrator uh and thornhill and he's just like walking about and he what what i did like about this is the way he is styled is very similar to what we would have seen in sabrina he almost has a uh, father blackwell vibe going on with him totally appropriate but we find out that uh, Thornhill is basically a house of secrets and mysteries, and it is the most haunted place in Rivervale. So we're going to look at the time and the women of Thornhill past and present are waking up across the decades. So we see Cheryl wake up and uh, she had a dreamless sleep and then she hits an alarm and we are seeing who we'll find out later is called Poppy Seed Blossom. She's awake in the same room in the same bed and then we see abigail who we've seen before we we met her at the end of season five uh she opens her eyes to meet the day three blossom women one story echoing across time burning as bright and eternal as the comet's tail in the night sky so now we see each one of them they're prepping for you know cheryl is prepping for school Poppy is prepping for visitors. She's setting up, you know, some makeup and one of it's almost like what we would equate to like an Avon or Mary Kay party. And then we see Abigail setting up for her school and we see Vanessa Morgan playing a character from the past. She is in the Abigail timeline. This takes so long. <laughs> There's so much setup and they, the intertwining, I think, did not work for them. This feels like one of those three-story episodes, which it is. And when they've done those before, you have the first act, second act, third act, each being separate. And that's how they should have done this. And you could have done it in any order, and it probably would have felt effective, but they didn't. And so it's that much more disjointed, and it doesn't help the story. So I would have rather had the Abigail story the Poppy story, and then the Cheryl story to wrap it all up and bring it home, even though I don't love this story, at least then it would have felt better. I don't know. I don't even think you can do that. To me, it's just that you should intertwine them. It's an intertwined story. But if you're going to do that, you have to actually, you know, intertwine them. Yeah. Instead of just vaguely basing it on this one tenuous connection between all of them. Sure. So we have Cheryl in the present day. She's getting ready for school. She's got a telescope set up and a room full of students. And she's just talking to them about how we're going to have Bailey's Comet passing through um, our solar system. And tonight's a momentous night. And you lucky girls will be able to marvel at the comic's beauty. And so the only student who's allowed to talk is Britta. <laughs> uh, so she's like, oh, where are you going to be? Oh, Nana Blossom will not be able to join for the viewing and I will be at her side conducting a certain rituals to help her transition into the afterlife. So like that basically just sounds like, oh, I'm going to go murder my grandma. <laughs> Do we expect anything less from Cheryl Blossom? No. No. So later she's with Nana and she's letting her know, you know, tonight's the night we've been waiting for Bailey's Comet returns to the skies and Nana's just like, you know, you're bringing me such relief. And Cheryl's like, okay, I must ask you while you're in your right mind, Roseanne Blossom, are you certain you wish to continue down this road? Once done, it cannot be undone. And there is risk. There's always a risk with spell casting, which is just, 
Whatever. Cool. They're witches. They're witches. Yay. They could have done so much more with this. Well, also, the other part of this is we've been planning on this for so many years. It's like Charles, as far as the audience knows, has only recently become a witch. So none of this is consistent. Like, I don't want to discount the fact that from an attempted storytelling angle, they were going for a much softer story. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, a romantic with a capital R story in the very literary sense of that word. But they didn't do any good job of it. Like, if you really want that to drive home, these stories all have to very deeply echo each other. So they're they're going to start this ritual. Cheryl grabs a book. To walk in their shoes, you must first know their stories, their histories. Who do you wish to begin with? And Nana Rose is like, both. For you know their stories are intertwined. Like, ah, yes. Poppy had just hosted one of her delightful salons. And so we cut to the past and we're seeing Poppy talk with Tam Tam, which is our world, Tabitha Tate. I mean, it's got to be like Tammy or Tamara, right? Yeah, it's it's probably Tammy. I believe it said Tammy later on. It's just Tam Tam. It's a Blossom pet name. <laughs> Gross. And so she is thanking Poppy for letting her stick around and bend her ear. Poppy says something like, oh, you were quiet during our discussion of Lady Chatterley's Lover, which is a very racy book. Yes. It's erotica. I distinctly remember the scene from Mad Men where uh, Joan tells one of the other secretaries, don't read that on the subway. <laughs> so Tammy's thing is that she wants to work in the diner. She wants to work at Pops because she knows she could do so much better than her husband, but he's completely against it. He thinks home is where I belong. So Poppy's like, okay, here are some herbs from my garden. Sprinkle them in your hubby's eggs, Benedict, and he'll come down with a nasty stomach bug. Then you can be the heroine and step up and run pops for the day. And Tammy's just like, oh, great. I didn't know what I would do without you. So like, she's just the town witch. She's the fixer, <laughs> which, okay, fine. They all just think, oh, she has these magical folk remedies. And then they're going to take it in the worst direction. <laughs> <sighs> so then we go over to Abigail and uh, she is interviewing Thomasina. That is her name, Thomasina Topaz. Uh, she, you know, I see you have five years teaching experience. And Thomasina's like, yeah, I came across your announcement in the paper and I was moved to apply. My old school was shut down, you see, when it was turned into a hospital after the war. And then we find out that Abigail's dear brother, James, is fighting on the Western Front. What? What war? <laughs> I don't fuck if I know. Like, for me, I'm going, it's 1892. I don't recall a, like, specific war we were involved in then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they've, you know, they confirm that they've both been through the pox as children, so they're good there. Are you married? No, ma'am. But we can see a look on Thomasina's face, though that's not entirely the truth. <laughs> and she's like, good, I have no need for women with husbands. You're hired lingering lingering pause yeah it's like mm, it's not dripping with undertones there gay that that part about this i don't care that much about. no i i don't have a problem with that oh, that's fine it's laughable but you know <laughs> sure and so she asks, where are you from again nearby greendale and so they smile at each other and then this candle ignites near them and then we cut to poppy a candle ignites there 
And then we cut to Cheryl and Anna Rose and a light, a candle ignites with them reading. Riverdale. Ah! doo <laughs> Now we have Abigail teaching etiquette in her class and it's gonna, especially in regard to shared plates and clear soups. And Thomasina comes in holding a telescope. It's like, actually, I had a notion about today's lesson. Bailey's Comet is set to pass over Rivervale in a few days' time, and it offers an excellent scientific opportunity for the girls. And Abigail is like, oh, fuck that shit. We ain't doing that. <laughs> it's quite unladylike to be traipsing around the woods after dark. But more importantly, the Thornhill Academy for Girls is a finishing school. That's new information. Previously, when we had told about Abigail's school, it was just like, it was a school for girls. It sounded like it was to educate women, but it turns out it's just a finishing school. Or at least that's how it started. Yeah, and you know, that doesn't that doesn't feel too out of place historically. No. There's parts about these stories that I don't hate. No, it's just the way it was presented previously was a little bit different. Yeah. So Thomasina makes her case and Abigail's not having any of it. As long as you teach in my school and you'll follow my curriculum, class dismissed. We cut to Poppies and it's this week's salon and they're talking about the comet and Tammy suggests, let's have a viewing party set up on the roof of Pops. And everyone's like, oh, that's a great idea. And then we get whatever the person Alice is playing. We don't get her name. That one I don't know. I know we have Velma. We have Velma for Veronica. Betsy, but it comes out Bitsy a lot. No, it's just Bitsy. Yeah, in the transcript, it's listed as Betsy. Comes out Bitsy for Betty, Tammy for Tabitha. So I don't know what Alice is because I don't believe they ever say it. They might be saving that for a reveal later. Which is totally fine. That would be cool. Uh, she goes, what What about this doesn't feel right? Oh, what is that missile I keep hearing about? Oh, the Russian space satellite. <laughs> Butnik. So... They're talking about that. And then she tells the group, did you just hear Wendy Weatherby was just arrested for conspiracy? So we have like the red scares happening at this time. Whatever. Poppy says, you know, my opinion is if people discuss their different ideas in the privacy of their own homes, well, what's the harm? To which Alice's character says, Poppy Seed Blossom, do you really mean that? I truly do. (gasps) I suppose I'm just not a fan of witch hunts of any kind. It's <laughs> like later that makes a little more sense, but it's still dumb. All of it's so on the nose. Mm-hmm. Part of what's frustrating with this show, and we shouldn't expect it out of this show to be perfectly honest, but it's like y'all don't even try mm-hmm. to get the period correct. It's like the war thing in 1892 is like, mm-hmm. what war? What? Like, even if it's a fictional war, build a world. It's like they refuse to do that extra step of world building where you might actually think through what's going on, which would just give us a little more buy-in. Eh. So after this salon, Bitsy stays behind and she has some concerns. She's not happy in her marriage and her husband, Jax, thinks the answer is to have another child, even though her first pregnancy was difficult. And so Poppy asks her, have you considered divorce? Oh, no, Jack's Catholic. He he wouldn't. And so Poppy says, well, then it's just about not getting pregnant right now. Have you ever looked into birth control? Oh, no, I couldn't possibly ask Dr. Curdle for something like that. She's scandalized by both of these suggestions. Which is not entirely unfair. This is no. a very common thing that 
happened and still happens to this day. Small town America in the 50s is like, ooh, we don't talk about these things. No. And Poppy has just the thing. Take this special ginger root from my garden. A few flakes every day in the morning. We'll make sure you don't start baking a bun in the oven. And so Betsy is just like, I'm so grateful for you listening and understanding what would I do without you? And so they hug and then they linger in the hug for a moment and then they kiss and Bitsy pulls away. It's like, oh no, what the devil am I doing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Poppy's just like, it's fine. Nothing bad happened. Everything will work out. You'll see. Okay. 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 Eh, whatever. They're trying to make Carol. <laughs> like, Just go watch Carol, people. Oh, Jesus. I. <laughs> yeah, it's just whatever. Again, if you were going to do this, just do this. Yeah. There's a broader idea here, but like, honestly, I would have much more appreciated this episode Mm -hmm. later down the road when there was Cheryl being like, you have to confront what happened in the past. This is what should have come before that. Yeah. This should have come before that, but I don't think they had any of that in mind. And I think this is just retconning to do some bullshit. The only thing I like about this is that Cheryl, who is Poppy, who is Abigail, has always been gay. Yes. Always. I like that. And so that, especially if they're going to make her a witch, should have come earlier, should have come before we knew Cheryl was gay. So that when she had this admission to herself and to Tony, it was like, of course, she's always been gay. That would have been really cool and interesting and serve the character. But no, we don't ever have any of that forethought. I mean... The one caveat we do have to put here, we don't know how this plays out in Riverdale proper. And exactly. And that's what makes this also frustrating because it's like, how much am I supposed to care? The angle for me in terms of if they make it work later is that these stories broadly are true. Mm -hmm. The witch through time angle of it all is the part that gets tossed by the wayside. But like, what happened to Abigail in this time? Yeah. What happened to Poppy in this time? both inform how Cheryl is viewing all of this hardship that's happened to her family. And the thing is, Abigail and Poppy can both be women who were persecuted for one reason, but really it was for another. And that other reason could have been because they were gay. And that would be just as equally interesting. But yeah, the witch thing is what they're using to tie it through in this story. It's again, it's just, it's hard to know how much I'm supposed to care. (laughs) All of this, all of this, like, we are either going to be able to reflectively look back and be like, okay, I'm I'm okay with this, or we're going to be throwing shit at the TV. Like, yeah. one of the two. And there's no middle ground with how they've set this up. Exactly. It's wild. Thomasina is sitting down with her telescope, and Abigail comes in to apologize. I've realized you're right. From now on, we're going to teach these young women hard truths, tough knowledge, prepare them for the world that might not yet exist but someday will and thomasine is like yes abigail what can i do to help and so they kiss <laughs> like and that and that was fine i just love what can i do to help smooch so they smooch for a bit and then we cut to earth to poppy and it's velma aka veronica trying to get poppy seeds attention second watch made that a fun bit yes that made it more fun yes i i did like that and so Velma's issue is that things are vanilla in the bedroom and she wants to spice things up, but I don't know how. 
And Poppy's got some spice for her. She gives her a copy of the Kama Sutra. It's the bee's knees. <laughs> and then she also gives her her own special aphrodisiac mix. Sprinkle it into his roast beef and, well, he'll never want to leave your bed. Cut to Abigail watching Thomasina sleep in her bed. Just so much back and forth. Yeah, I don't I don't love the back and forth this no. way. Finally, Thomasina wakes up. Oh, you didn't you didn't wake me. It's like, oh, because you're so beautiful when you're asleep. And then we hear some pounding on the door. And they go to the door and they're like, only trouble comes knocking at this hour. And so we hear a man saying, Open up. I'm here on official business. Constable Keller, state your business. I'm looking for a murderess. The harlot's name is Thomasina Topaz. And so Abigail says, there's no one here by that name. Please go for your own good. We have a confirmed case of the pox here. There's a plague upon this house. And so then we actually see Keller. Uh, We see Casey caught with this great mustache. It's adorable. I love it. I know way back in the day when they did their first, like when we did the Midnight Club, I was very like, I don't know how I feel about the kids playing their parents. And it turned out being great. And now I do love this. I love the kids playing the other versions. It's fun. And I know they're technically not kids anymore, but that's always what they'll be called. So I do love the old fake cough trick at the at the door to get Keller to go away. And so as he leaves, Abigail looks at Thomasina and is like, I would have the truth from you. <laughs> and we cut to Poppy and there's pounding on the door and she opens it and it's Jack and Bitsy. And as she's opening the door, we hear Jack saying, don't say a word to Betsy or Bitsy. And so he turns around and he looks at Poppy. He's like, no, you did to my wife. I beg your pardon. Don't play coy with me, Poppy. He says, well, go, go on, tell her. And so Bitsy steps up and goes, I may have given you the wrong idea about us, Poppy. I've never been happier in my marriage. And I would be very lucky to have another child with Jack. So just butt out, okay? And so then Jack kind of steps in front of Betsy and is like, did you hear that? Keep out of my marriage, woman. So help me. If you get anywhere near Betsy again, I'll kill you. And as he's saying that, they switch the shot so that we're over the shoulder seeing Poppy look at Betsy. And then they turn it back and we see Betsy mouthing, I'm sorry, as Jack is yelling at her. I found out because I read an interview with Madeline Petch where that was an improv from Lily Reinhardt. Mm -hmm. It makes the scene. That's that's what you have when you have really good actors, even in a garbage script like this. Well, all, I, I have to say all three of these people are some of the best actors on the show. Yep. She was asked in that interview. It's dis- Undecider um, with Alex Zabel, I believe. And she was asked, like, how is it working with Cole in this way? It's like, oh, well, Cole's not like a method actor anyway. So then he would do that scene and then he'd go back to burping in my face and being Cole again. So <laughs> like he's still Cole. <laughs> Fucking Cole Sprouse, man. <laughs> he's he's been acting since he was a baby. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. We cut back to Abigail, and she's asking Thomasina some questions. She's just like, "Okay, you asked me if I had a husband, and I said I didn't, which is true. But I once did. It was an arranged marriage. He was a bad dude. He was really against me educating women. He didn't like my rituals. Which this is like our first hint that she's a witch as well." Yeah, which is cool. Like I'm, I'm all in on this. And he sought to control me with the back of his hand and his belt. And one night it was my life or his. So I chose mine, you know, while she's giving this story, Abigail's like, men are such monsters. And she's like, 
you know, stay here, stay with me forever. So, you know, okay, cool. Whatever. Uh, we cut to Cheryl. She's been reading to Nana Rose and Britta comes in and they're like, what are you doing here? Where are the other girls? Well, they left, but like Mr. Cheryl, I noticed things. I know you and Nana Rose have been planning something in secret. I just don't know what it is, but I'd like to be here for it. And Nana Blossom's like, just let the child stay. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> and so they're just like, okay, you can stay, but shut up. No talking. <laughs> Pretend <ya. laughs> So we cut to Poppy and she is all alone. Uh, she had set up for a salon and nobody came. Like everybody's late or something. And she hears pounding at the door and it's all the husbands. And they barged in and like, we know what you've been doing. You've been telling our wives we can't satisfy them. <laughs> and Poppy's like, oh, so that's why none of your wives came today. You bullied them into submission. Pathetic, if you ask me, which is hilarious. I do. I do like the, the snark. It is goddamn true. And so they want her to leave Rivervale and they say the Blossoms have outstayed their welcome. Poppy's like, I ain't happening. And Kirk Keller, you know what I do for a living. Don't say I, we didn't warn you. And then like as they're leaving, Jack with his great pompadour is just like eyeballing. He's doing that eye to eye thing as he leaves. Very, It's very good. It goes in such a bonkers direction that already, I, I think, honestly, the Abigail storyline didn't bother me as much as the Poppy one did. Agreed. Like, the actual story around her, mm-hmm. I didn't hate. But all of the bullshit around her mm-hmm. was just so, it's so truncated and hacky and not at all what it was really like in that time. If we'd gotten the Abigail story before and then they made this one all about the poppy story and really like pulled it out and developed it it could have been really good because the thing about that time was it was all under the radar yeah it was all whispers and secrets it was never this brashing in your face and that's what's really bothersome about it i don't know that's entirely true but this story moves so quickly it's hard to believe it well, that, that's a part of it, too, is because sure. they're rushing, they're escalating so quickly. Sure. We cut back to Abigail and, you know, there's a pounding on the door again. And so Abigail and Thomasina go to the door and like, who's there? My name's Ben Fogarty, ma'am. I'm a friend of your brother's. I come with news of him. And they open the door. and They're like, Mr. Fogarty, come on in and warm yourself by the fire. And Thomasina takes one look at him and is just like, he's trouble. And just goes, Welcome. <laughs> so we find out that james is dead and he's got a letter that's saying that his dying wish was for her to marry fen thomasina has questions She's like oh dearest friend how intimately did you and james know one another war makes all men bedfellows <laughs> which is just like so unnecessarily gay it is i mean i like let's be super gay but like what are you like? This is just. Well, it's just a way to make sure that Fen is just as bi as Fangs. Fair. <laughs> they, they could have done this in a completely different way. It was so stupid. This is so stupid. I mean, I, there's points here where I'm just like, are we in a Harlequin novel now? Like, what the fuck are we even doing? <laughs> Might as well be. So later, Thomasina is telling her, you can't marry him. I don't trust him. You know, this was his dying wish. I must honor it. Thomas, he's like, there's a darkness in Fen. I do not know what, but I have a sixth sense about these things. And my intuition tells me he means you harm. 
It's more like a witch tuition. Yeah, pretty much. And so they agree that tomorrow when he goes hunting, they're going to search his room to figure it out because she's not going to let any harm come to Abigail. I do love how she's like, I have a sixth sense about these things. (laughs) Yeah. There's a little bit of that jokey, like, just say it, Thomasina. Just say it. I'm a witch and I murdered my husband. The end. So we go to Pops and... Poppy comes in and she says, hi to Tammy. It's nice to see you working here. I'll have my usual, please. A patty melt with a side of coleslaw and a glass of buttermilk, which is like the worst order ever. That sounds so nasty in every possible way. Uh huh. And everyone has stopped what they're doing and is just staring at her. And Tammy's like, maybe you want that to go, Poppy? And Poppy kind of senses what's happening. Says, no, I'd like to eat it here. Thank you very much. And Tammy's like, fine. And so. Poppy pulls out her compact to like powder her nose or whatever. And she sees behind her is Jack and Bitsy with their child. And so Jack makes a face and Bitsy. And so she gets up and then Jack just kind of like eyeballs her in her mirror. And then he gets up to go. The absolute caucasity of this scene. (laughs) Let's be clear. Gay and lesbian people were persecuted in the 1950s. Absolutely. The fact that they stage it in this way, like she's at a Woolworths counter in the South in the 1960s. Oh, you know, that was purposeful. Is real fucking gross. It's not good. Oh, I know. I Like, it's just, no. It's just another case of don't throw that in our face like that. Have a little thoughtfulness about how you're approaching this. There's no thoughtfulness with any no, of this. No, no. no. She goes back to her house and Kirk Keller is there and she's like, what is the meaning of this? It's like, oh, uh, we received an anonymous tip that you, Miss Blossom, are subversive, a suspected communist sympathizer. And she's like, that's an outrageous lie. Uh, What about all these closed doors meeting you've been coercing the unsuspecting wives of Rivervale to attend? What are you doing? Uh, so she's freaking out because they're taking her stuff and she gets handcuffed and they're taking her in for questioning. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) Whatever. We go to the Abigail times and they're in Fen's room going through all his shit and they find a voodoo doll, a page where he's been practicing James's signature. They find the Blossom family crest seal for the wax seal Thomasina finds a pentagram. She goes, I have knowledge about these things. He <laughs> is a warlock. And uh, then they find a bunch of death portraits. I'm like, oh my God, I think he's a murderer. I think he murdered my brother James. Oh no. So while this is happening, Fen bursts into the house. He's got an axe over his shoulder. And, you know, he's just like, women, I'm back with supper. Which is <laughs> hilarious coming out of Drew Ray Tanner's mouth. I love it. <laughs> And so he goes up to their room because they've tried to put things like, what the devil are you two doing in here? And Abigail tries to be all like, get out of the house. Like, you do not give me orders, woman. Once we're married, I will become the lord of this manor. And so Thomasina has grabbed a knife that was in his stuff and she lunges towards him to try to stab him, which is, you know, she accidentally, she threw her knife and killed that one kid. So here it is echoing through time again. Jesus Christ. But he grabs her and he puts a knife to her throat. It's just like, you're going to marry me. She's like, yes, we'll do it properly, legally. Uh, We'll need a vicar then to perform the ceremony and bear witness. You'll have to go fetch one. Oh, no, you go fetch them. If I leave, you two will collude. 
to kill me and run off together. So he's going to lock this sapphic wench in the chapel. And if you're not back within the hour, I'll kill her. And so Abigail's like, all right. Saucy sapphic, sapphic wench. wench. <laughs> I want that on a pillow, please. No, I need that on a, on a sweatshirt to sleep in. A saucy sapphic wench. Fair. I want that on a shirt today. It's so ridiculous coming out of Drew Ray Tanner. I feel like that's the problem is that it's Drew Ray Tanner who we love. And then him saying that is just like, come on, man. I love I love him. It's fabulous. So we go to the jail and Poppy's being questioned. We know you're a communist. Just admit to it and we can let you out of here. And Poppy's like, I'm not going to admit to a lie. Is it true you've once visited Russia? Yes, to participate in a chess tournament. <laughs> oh, so she's the Queen's Gambit now? Fuck off. I actually didn't hate that because it was just a funny like, yes, to do something really, really innocuous. It's funny, but it just also makes me go, really? Really? She's traveled through time. She has. Are you loyal to this country, this government, this flag? Yes, yes, and yes. Are you against God, religion? I'm against witch hunts and group think. And yet you organize gatherings, unsegregated, I might add. Where you read banned books. Is it true you use contraceptives? And Bobby's like, is this really what you want from me? It's like, admit you're a commie, sign the confession, or I'll put you in jail to rot. And Bobby's like, do what you want. I'm not signing anything. All right. So Bitsy comes to visit Poppy. Like, oh, I'm surprised they let you in to see the red devil, which is very funny. And Bitsy is just telling her you need to sign their confession. It's just your name. What else? Why are you worrying about this? And Poppy's like, what else do I have other than my name, my principles? All the things those men are terrified of. And Bitsy is basically saying, like, just get out for us. <laughs> and Poppy's saying, like, I'm doing this for us, for you, for womankind, for all the free thinking, independent daughters who will come after us. And then she kind of tells Betsy, don't tell me you're pregnant. Well, and she just kind of gives that face and kind of nods. And it's like, OK, we'll get through this somehow. Betsy's like sniffling and she goes, no, this baby's exactly what Jack and I need. I can't believe I let you fill my head with your silly, stupid ideas. Jack was right about you. You're just a sad, jealous, sexually repressed spinster. And Poppy's like, I know you don't mean that. Betsy says, well, you don't know anything about me. Huh. <laughs> Which, again, it's just like, you know, this was just was escalated so quickly. It's just. Well, this is this is the biggest retcon mm -hmm. for the idea of Cheryl. This whole sure. thing. I have these principles that I need to stand on. And I was like, bitch, you have never shown principles in your entire, entire run on this show. Your principles are for me and my gain only. She calls her a sad, jealous, sexually repressed spinster. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what she has been. Yeah, pretty much. Like. So we we cut to Cheryl. You know, we intercut with Cheryl reading, you know, and she's reading to Britta. like, after Betsy visited Poppy and Jelly, didn't see each other for the next nine months. To which Britta goes, why so long? And what brought them together again? Are you fucking serious? Are you like, it, like they're giving Britta, like, Britta, how stupid are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and so Jack has shown up. He's like, we need your help. You know, it's about Betsy. She's gone into labor. She's convinced herself that something is wrong and that you're the only person that can help. If you do this, you will not return to the cell, I swear. And so Poppy says, okay. And we see Poppy, you know, getting ready to go help Betsy. 
as well as Abigail getting ready to get married. And so Abigail gets married in a red wedding dress and Betsy gives birth while the comet rages outside. They just, they go on forever with this. They do. So much exposition for no payoff. Poppy gives Betsy the baby. You know, it's like, this is your beautiful baby girl. She's perfect. There's a part of me that feels like that baby girl is Alice. I don't think it's Alice. I She's not because of the age, but I feel like she's related to Alice. I think it's Hal's mom. Okay, that can make sense. I'd be okay with that. Oh, yeah, because she's fucking crazy. All the legacy of abuse and terror sure. makes a lot of sense. I'm fine with that. Like, I feel like all of this eventually ties down. Like, Tammy wants to help run Pops because her husband's irresponsible. Well, that's Pops's dad who tried to sell his soul down the river. But Hal's mom is a Blossom or a Cooper who was a Blossom. Yeah, know. that could be Hal's mom. Anyways, they're related to one of our people. Point being, yes, that's going to flow down here at sure. some point. But Poppy also gives her a pouch and she says, it was in my pocketbook. It's something from when the time is right. You'll know when to use it. And, you know, I when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's going to be some husband poison. Well, duh. Yeah. So we cut back to Abigail's timeline and Finn is ready to consummate this marriage. It's like, <laughs> hurry, it's time to fulfill your wifely duties. His line reading is the most ridiculous thing I've ever I am heard. I'm here for it because it brings so much needed levity to the stupidity. <laughs> and so Abigail walks in. She's like, did you ever hear of that terrible news in Fall River, Massachusetts about a young woman, Lizzie Borden, and what she did to her tormentors? And Fen is nine. She's like, what? She's like, oh, she killed them with an axe. And then she just starts hacking away. <laughs> I loved this. This made me so happy. It's the most Cheryl thing that happens in the whole episode. (laughs) Absolutely. So she goes to find Thomasina and she finds her and she is dead and she's holding her death portrait. And as she's just being like, no, no, wake up, please wake up. Fen comes in. She was the perfect addition to my collection. You monster. You're going to burn in hell for what you've done. Oh, how right you are, Abigail. And so then the comet starts raging outside. Oh, perfect timing. I'm calling upon my dark knowledge fueled by the midnight light to curse you, Abigail Blossom. May your life be an everlasting and solitary as the comets. May you remain unloved and alone for all your miserable days. And there it is. Great. All right. So there's there's the curse that was put on Abigail. Cool. Fine. This would have been so much more useful earlier. Sure. And so then we go to Poppy. She's coming out of the hospital room and she sees Jack and Kirk. And they're like, well, and she's like, oh, both mother and daughter are fine. And so then Kirk pulls out his handcuffs. He's like, all right, let's get you out of here. What are those for? And we find out that he's putting her under house arrest indefinitely. Don't make a fuss. Okay. And so... Now we've got Cheryl continuing to read. It's like, and so Poppy was shut away, doomed to spend the rest of her days haunting the halls of Thornhill. And so Britta like tries to recap. It's like, okay, so Poppy was arrested, but then what happened to Abigail? Oh, she too lived out her days in this house forever alone. I'm afraid to ask what happened to Betsy. And so we see this. Funnily enough, her husband died under mysterious circumstances about a year after their second child was born. Some say he was poisoned. Though the coroner didn't find any poison during his autopsy. Then again, some plant-based toxins don't leave a trace. Which I do love this because 
we one we get to see Bitsy put something in the in the drink and serve it to Jack and Jack is kind of like suspecting of it but he's just like okay and he takes it but the plant-based toxins that don't leave a trace is a Penelope hallmark yeah that's true because that's how she worked as the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King that that I'm interested in and then we hear the doorbell ring and Cheryl goes and opens it. And who is it? But it's Sabrina Spellman while they play Season of the Witch. <laughs> Which, like, all right, cool. The entrance is good. The entrance is good. Look what the black cat dragged in. Feels like it's been centuries, doesn't it? And so, you know, Cheryl's just like, my nan and I are forever dead. Don't be a dick. You know, I do anything to help a fellow witch. So, like, that's the official first time we've heard someone refer to Cheryl as a witch. Okay. <laughs> so they all go into where Nana is and like Sabrina explains what's happening. It's like, okay, we're going to do a transference. Ambrose taught me how to do it. It's a tricky spell. It can only be performed on a night of great cosmic significance like tonight with Bailey's Comet approaching and it's nearly time. And so they're like, okay, Britannia, we have to spell cast alone. Do you mind? It's like, fuck out, girl. So they take hands and the comet rages and they do this spell and then once the comet's gone cheryl chuckles and they're like it's happened it worked and they go how do you feel abigail and nana rose is free at long last ben's curse is broken so they say let go abigail let go and finally be at rest reunite with your dearest thomasina and as they say that we see thomasina's face you know kind of mirage next to <laughs> nana rose who's now abigail i guess so ridiculous and then she dies and then sabrina looks at cheryl and goes happy said endings are the best i like that line that is a good line and so we cut to later in i guess the the main living room area britta is asking some questions and sabrina is here just for exposition yep and she has nana rose's body did die but not before we transferred her soul into mistress blossom's body and vice versa it was a classic swap freaky friday style but you should know this there was no cheryl not really or there was but she was also poppy and before that she was abigail blossom and britta's like i don't get it neither do we when the warlock fen fogarty died he cursed abigail with immortality to hide that fact she created the persona of poppy blossom and then cheryl blossom so that no one would suspect the truth. We know that to not be possible because Cheryl is supposed to be a twin. I know there's a lot of inconsistency with all that shit, but we know that's not actually possible in the Riverdale universe. But okay, whatever. So they're all witches. And so we go to a gravestone and we see it's got Abigail Blossom, Poppy Blossom, and now Roseanne Blossom all on one gravestone. And then next to it, is one for Thomasina Topaz. And we see Thomasina standing on her grave, like as though she's waiting. And then Abigail comes out from the woods and runs to Thomasina and they embrace because they're both dead now. They're in the afterlife. They can be together. Then they frolic through the graveyard. They frolic through the graveyard. And then, you know, our Jughead narrator comes out and he's like, I feel like the 20-something witch Sabrina Spellman visiting Riverdale from the neighboring township of Greendale summed it up perfectly. Happy said endings are the best. Enough said. And then he walks away and we see the 1800s Rivervale sign and underneath it it says, there be witches here. 
Rivervale. Dear God. Was there a point to any of this? Uh, we should all lay off Cheryl because she's she's not really hard. <laughs> she's just a rich, privileged white lady. Just sucks to be her. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I just whatever. I'm ready for the finale of this event. I'm ready for us to tie it up and figure it out. I mean, figure it out or just murder it dead so we can get back to the show we've been watching this whole time. Sure. Well, there is a preview available, so maybe we should go talk about it. All right, let's go watch that, and we'll be right back. So next week is the Jughead Paradox. We know we're getting, uh, we're going to see bits of them in the uh, vintage costumes, which we love. Jughead's having hallucinations and there's a parallel universe. First there's Riverdale and then there's the other one. And so I love all that. We see Archie and Betty kissing. We see Jughead and Betty kissing. We see the Black Hood again. Uh, We see Jughead in a body bag. Um, please have Dylan Sprouse be on this. Like, please. <laughs> We're doing an episode called The Jughead Paradox. Your Jughead happens to be a twin in real life who is also an actor. Take advantage of the opportunity just for chuckles, please. Oh, by the way, guess who speaks? Who speaks? For oh, the first time ever. Sorry, the first time in a hundred episodes after being used over and over again. Jason Blossom is going to say actual words. You know it's going to be only those those words. He says, hey, Jughead. I bet you he never says anything else, which would be, I hope they do the thing where every time he's about to speak, someone cuts him off because that would bring me so much joy. <laughs> and that is 100% fan service. And I am here for it because in the 100th episode, you give some fan service. You service the fans. They're clearly doing that. Like they're they're about to go. He's having all these hallucinations and we get to throw spaghetti at the wall and go buck wild. Which is fine. Fun. But here's the thing. I want to understand what that actually means. Agreed. They need to build out something concrete from having gone through all these episodes to make it have been worth it. Because, again, we've talked about through these that it's fine for them to kind of be their own little capsule. but. To make it worth watching, there have to be real consequences, and and we need to find out what some of those are. We don't have to know all of it. We need to know what some of those are in the next episode. Not to mention that a certain creator of this show keeps fucking saying over and over again that this is canon. Sure. But also, this is our, quote-unquote, our mid-season finale. This has to be compelling enough to propel us into March yeah. because we're not coming back until March 7th, I believe, or 6th. And we're coming back on a Sunday, so we're on a new night. It's going to be a whole thing. So the stakes are high. I don't need answers per se, but I need you to lead me in a direction where the process of us watching this makes me okay with going into the, into the rest of season six. Well, that's something we've also talked about in that a good, especially mid-season finale, is one that answers enough questions 
to leave you satisfied. But those answers and whatever new action we see raises enough questions to fuel you through your hiatus. Oh, yeah. So that's what this needs to do. It needs to answer what is actually happening in in the second universe and answer a few of the what are the consequences in the real life while also creating bigger questions about those things. Then it will be interesting to go back and watch all of these back to back to back to notice things we may have missed before in our rewatches. And be like, okay, this is the path we're going on. Do you think they're going to pull it off? I don't know. We've been surprised before. Yeah. So who who (laughs) knows? Who knows? As frustrating as this whole little mini arc has been. Sure. Because I think it's the most frustrated I've been with the show. Mm -hmm. Like we've had moments where it was just like, I, I don't know. But it's one or two episodes. This arc in particular has just been difficult sure. <laughs> and on the flip side we will be the first people to go now nah, okay i see what you did i see what you did damn it yeah i want this show to be good because it is a garbage show it's not meant to be like the greatest thing we've ever seen on television uh-huh it's not its intention but so often it doesn't even go to the effort of being cohesive mm-hmm. and i'm really hoping for their sake like they can pull this together somehow so that we can actually give them credit for once. Cause yeah. I really like to be able to do that. Yeah, that'd be nice. And we'll see. Well, until next time, hashtag all, all hail, hail the maple, the maple maiden. maiden. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.